Welcome to New Life. It's good to see so many smiling faces out here this morning, and we invite you to stand and get ready to worship with us. Shadows, you win every battle. 
declare this over your own life, over your family's life, over our community.
what a beautiful picture and those words coming straight out of the book of Matthew, they're in several of the gospels, de depicting the scene of Jesus riding the donkey. And that itself was fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament, but coming in to Jerusalem and the people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And not only praise to him, but also declaring out, Lord help us, Lord save us. And we need that still today. And this next song, is, it continues that, but it really tells a whole story of Christ from the time that he was born to the time that he died for us on the cross to his resurrection. And it's very simple, very repetitive, but we wanna go ahead and teach you the chorus so that when you hear it in the song, that you can go ahead and start singing out with us. So here's the chorus. Praise the Father, praise the
stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their thank you for the truth of that song, Lord, Lord, that you came willingly. You died on the cross for every single person in this room. Sometimes, Lord, I just can't, I can't fathom that. I am so undeserving, and yet you did it anyway. And Father, there's someone here that just needs to know that they, you died for them, where they're at, just as they are. And Father, may we never lose the wonder of what you have done for us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Well, hello, New Life. I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, one week after Easter, and I'm excited about what, what God is gonna show us even through his word today. But first, let me just remind you of a few things. Uh, number one is if you would like prayer, uh, we would love to pray with you. And so um, you can share a prayer need that you have by just texting the word prayers, that's plural with an S on the end, to uh, 30500. And that will automatically come to us and we will um, we'll pray for whatever need you share with us. Uh, also, if you would like to be part of a uh, Connect 3 group, which is just a few people that are reading a few verses each day and then texting each other and encouraging each other and whatever else, um, just text the word CONNECT3, that's CONNECT with the number three, to um, 30500, all right? You can do that super easy. It's a great way to stay connected and just grow in your faith and following God. Um, last thing I wanna remind you of is uh, just it's an opportunity to give back what the Lord has blessed you with. So you can do that on our app or online or mail it in. Um, just wanna encourage you to, to take part in that act of worship and obedience to the Lord. All right. So um, before we totally jump into this message, I just wanna make one thing crystal clear, okay? And that is this, that 
God wants his love to go everywhere and everyone. I mean, before Easter, we were talking about how love wins. And then Easter, uh, we, we looked at how love won. And so here we are the, the weekend after Easter. And this is love is winning because it just continues. And that's what God's plan is for us, is that his mission of love would continue through us. And so um, I just want you to know that, that God has handpicked you to be part of that mission. And uh, he wants you and I to be part of giving his love away. Um, his, his eternal plan has always been this, that, that you and I would join him in showing his love and sharing his love with the world. Nobody sits on the bench in God's kingdom. Nobody is second string. Uh, nobody is, uh, you know, on the B team or just the backup. Um, when God wanted to give himself a gift, think about this. When God wanted to give himself a gift, he gave himself you. Um, that's what Christ went to the cross. He died on the cross so that we could be reconnected and reconciled with God. Um, you're God's gift to himself. So we need to try to absorb that and, and just kind of establish that um, as we look at his word today. So if, uh, if, by the way, if you have your communion elements, we're going to get to that just a little bit later in the message. So just hang on to those. Um, but before we turn to Matthew chapter 28, uh, let's just uh, have some prayer together. All right. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible love, your love that just not only accomplished so much and really everything on the cross, but God, the fact that you call us into your mission of love, your mission of sharing that love with a world that so desperately needs it. I think it's just become more and more obvious, Lord, how much this world needs your love. And so God, help us to you know, get out of our own way somewhat and, and just really jump in with both feet to, to what you have for us, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we are in Matthew, and we're continue to, to look, continuing to look at the life of Jesus and how he showed his love. And so we're looking at Matthew chapter 28, and um, we're, we're going to start around verse 16 and go through verse 20. And I'd just like to read it to you if you wouldn't mind. So uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples, because remember Judas wasn't with them anymore, the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go. When, he, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's just set the stage for a second. It's been one week since Easter. Um, I don't know exactly if it's been exactly a week when we get to this story, but it's been a little bit of time, and we've experienced the cross, and we have stood in awe at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
And, uh, and a lot has happened, and maybe that's true in, in your life too. Maybe there's been a lot that has happened since Easter. You're like, oh yeah, Easter was just last week, but, but life has continued to go on, right? And, and there's probably been some ups and downs. And I just want you to know God understands that. And, and, and the disciples went through something similar. I mean, um, they had highs and lows after the resurrection. I mean, one of the lows was the fact that now there's this big lie being spread about, the, uh, about them. That, um, you know, that they had stolen Jesus' body and now were pretending that he had risen from the dead. And the guards and the, and the leading religious officials, they had all kind of come up with this lie. And so now the disciples are like, oh, great, you know, um, our integrity and everything else is, is, being, is being put in, in question. And, um, but at the same time, they've had these great, amazing things where Jesus has shown up, <laughs> the resurrected Lord, and has done things with them, has eaten with them. There's even like a fishing incident where Jesus uh, restores Peter. And um, so these are some amazing things. And now, now, they're on top of this mountain. And I don't know about you, but on top of a mountain is always a good place, <laughs> in my opinion. I love to be in the mountains, out in nature. And here they are, they're on this mountain. Jesus has set this rendezvous for them and, uh, and he goes there and he shows up. And it says that, that most of them worshiped him, but, but even in this, even with seeing Jesus on this mountain, it says that some of them doubt, doubted. And I just think that's so amazing. But it's a good reminder to us that sometimes we have seen and experienced God in, in powerful ways, but sometimes we still wrestle with some of those doubts and just know you're not alone in that. So verse 18 it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I mean, they'd already seen his authority, right? They'd seen him take authority over sicknesses and over storms and even raise Lazarus from the dead and, and raise uh, this one woman's son from the dead. Remember that? Um, and so you think about that. You think about how how does Jesus, be, how is he given all authority? Well, you think about this fact that when he came and became a man, he laid down some of his deity in that process. He was still fully God and fully man, but he, it says that he took on the attitude of a servant. And he didn't try to grasp and hold on to his like, position as God. And so here we know that time and time again, the Father is giving him things. In John 3, 30, 35, it says that my Father, Jesus says, my Father has entrusted everything to me. And no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So here it is. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And then in John chapter 13, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. In John 17, it says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. And so here is Jesus, having been given all authority from the Father, and he's about to give some authority and some direction straight to his disciples. He's about to share with them hey, you guys are going to be part of this love winning, all right? So imagine for just a minute being on that mountain. Maybe there's like a dry breeze blowing 
through the grass and there's sparrows over there singing and, and darting over all around and, and uh, maybe they're hanging out by the olive trees that are nearby. Maybe there's a smell of, of red poppies that are blooming in the area and the occasional grasshopper jumping as you're walking through the grass. Maybe a few cows grazing over there with the annoying flies that come with them sometimes. And, and you hear the risen Savior say these words to you. I've been given all authority in heaven and on, on earth. Now go. Go and make disciples of all nations. And the resurrected Jesus wants those closest to him to understand something. He wants them to understand that the party is not over. The mission is not done. It's like the halftime pep talk. It's not time to kick back and get comfortable and just kind of give up. It's actually time to gear up and to move forward. This is not something um, that, that we can just go, well, that was for the disciples back then because Jesus is saying the same thing to us today, that it's, it's time to, to get going. It's time to, to move ahead. Are you his disciple? I'm not talking about, you know, just agreeing that Jesus died on a cross and, you know, for our sins on a Friday and, and, and came back to life on a Sunday and, yeah, that's all good stuff. But, like, are you actually consciously choosing day by day, imperfectly, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because that's really what this is about, guys. It's not about a religion to subscribe to or a philosophy to agree with. This is about the person, the God-man of Jesus Christ and following him. And it's about us leaving our, our old life behind. The old junk, the, the selfishness and the pride and the greed and the lust and everything else. It's leaving that behind and following Jesus. So if you are his disciple, he is telling you this. Go, go and make disciples. So number one, if you want to take notes, is this. Love is winning when my calling is stronger than my stalling. And yes, I know it rhymes, and I apologize if that bothers anybody, but it's easier for me to remember. Love is winning when my calling is stronger than my stalling. The resurrected Savior is calling on them, and he's calling on us to continue this mission of love, to keep love winning. It's pretty safe to say that our tendency is to stick with what makes us comfortable. I remember back in college, in Bible college, I had to take a class called evangelism, right? And one of the things they did is they sent us out kind of as homework to go and share the message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ to, to people in the, in the city of Seattle. That's kind of where our school was next to. And, and so this guy I got partnered with, um, we went out to this place and it, it was kind of the darkest kind of, uh, you know, really, really sinful part of the city, kind of where everything kind of bad tends to happen. And every city has a place like that. And I, I found this guy and I started to try to share the message of Christ with him. And man, he was not having it at all. In fact, he started pointing his finger in my face and accusing me of just trying to get another notch on my Bible or just trying to, you know, prove something. And, you know, 
the, f- the hard thing about it was is that part of why I was there is because it was an assignment. And I know that sounds terrible, and I feel terrible even just saying it right now, but part of what he was saying was a little bit true. Not really, but I don't know if I would have been out there if it hadn't have been that it was part of what I had to do for school. And so as he's pointing his finger at me, my heart just kind of broke. And I was like, that's not what I want this to be. I, I care about you. And, and he just, he wouldn't buy it. And um, my partner kind of stepped in at that moment and uh, just in a calm way was able to share a little bit of the message of Christ and kind of plant some seeds in this guy's heart and life. And by the end, he, he turned to me and said, man, I can tell you're not really just trying to get a notch on your Bible and stuff, but I'm telling you, it's hard because there's this idea where we have to go and we have to, you know, reach people and, you know, knocking on doors, door to door, handing out tracts and doing all these things. Um, and, and the truth is, is that there's a part of us that, that um, is kind of resistant to that. And part of it maybe is because we've seen some things that were like, man, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like how I think Jesus would do it. But part of it's because we like to be comfortable, right? I like to be comfortable for sure. Um, in a church that I, I used to be a youth pastor at years ago, I used to have to wear a suit and tie every single church service. So that was twice on Sundays. Um, on youth group on Wednesdays, I didn't have to wear a suit and tie, but on the weekends, for sure, man, suit and tie. In fact, as I showed up one day with a suit on, but no tie. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was marched straight into somebody's office, at the pastor's office, and he had an extra tie there, and I put it on. And I'm telling you what, uh, I am not a fan of wearing suits. I will on occasion as the occasion requires, but um, it never failed. On the way home, my tie was already coming off. My jacket was already off and I was just getting ready. I was already in seeking comfort mode, right? And maybe you guys do that too. Um, you know, some of you guys even at home right now, you're probably sitting there in your shorts or your sweats, your pajamas, and just like you're comfortable, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's something that we all desire. Um, and you think about it, you know, shorts or sweats, what makes you feel comfortable? Maybe watching one of your favorite movies or a sip in a tall glass of lemonade or iced tea. Um, maybe it's that cup of coffee you have that's warm in your hands or, or grubbing on some chips and salsa. Mm, I, I'm starting to get a little distracted here, so I'm going to move on. But, um, but those are things that are comfortable, right? And um, some people like to feel very comfortable. I've noticed some people in Walmart that love to feel comfortable. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but I want, I want to just give you an opportunity. This is confession time, right? How many of you have ever wore your pajamas to Walmart? I just want to know, how many? And if you're sitting next to somebody who you know have worn pajamas to Walmart, just give them a little nudge. I want you to be honest because the rest of us would like to say something to you, to everybody who wears pajamas to Walmart. We would like to say thank you for the entertainment. (laughs) Thank you for for, um, just like giving us something to, you know, maybe post about or whatever. But uh, we love to be comfortable. And what about people? I mean, there's certain people who, who know you, right? And you can really be yourself around them. 
They're the ones you can, you can really just let down your guard and, and be truly comfortable with. You feel comfortable with them. And, and these are good. But we all know that we can't live in that place forever. We can't wear sweats and pajamas every day. Or maybe some of you would argue with that. But, but the truth is we can't always live in what is comfortable. And um, so that leads me to this question. Has God ever asked you to do something or step into a situation that was not very comfortable? See, God often calls us, I know he has me many times, to situations that are not comfortable, situations that could be called a, a crisis of belief because it challenges us, because there's part of us that wants to be comfortable, wants to be safe, wants to feel, you know, kind of at home, and there's this other part of us that wants to follow Christ, and, and that part can be scary. We have to make a choice of either stick with what we know or, or to step out and truly launch out in our faith and, and follow him. Let's look at a situation like that in God's word, um, continuing on in this passage. <clears throat> Do you ever wonder what it was like to be one of those guys following Jesus around? You didn't know where you were going to sleep or what you were going to eat. And you're listening to the incredible things that Jesus is teaching. And you're, you're seeing him do miraculous people. I mean, truly changing people's lives. But every day brought new challenges, which I like to call opportunities for growth. <laughs> and today, we're going to see that the challenge is so powerful and so great, but it's worth it. He had already sent them out once. Remember back in Mark 6, Jesus had sent them out in pairs of twos. And he had told them, hey, I don't want you to take extra clothes or, or extra sandals or, or money or all this stuff with them. And, and he's basically saying, I want you to go, but I want you to trust me. I want you to trust God as you go. And see, there's another situation. God is saying, hey, I want you to go, but I'm not going to make it comfortable for you because I want you to rely on me. And these guys aren't aren't trained in this. They're not necessarily, you know, uh, educated to be these, these traveling evangelists. Um, but God knows that they're the ones he wants to use. They're the ones he wants to work through. And they are not so different from us. Um, we know that they left fishing boats and and there are other, you know, kinds of work, the tax booth and families and friends and homes, all that kind of stuff. Left it all behind and followed Jesus. And uh, Jesus is saying to them, um, I want you to go. In fact, is that word go in the original really has this idea of as you are going. So Jesus is saying, you know what, we're not done. So as you're going, this is what I want you to do. As I'm sending you, here's what you will be working on as I want you to make disciples. And I want you to think just for a second. How did Jesus make disciples? You know, he, he didn't sign them up necessarily for, for, you know, a long list of classes, although, you know, education is great. He, he, didn't, he didn't do a lot of the things that we might think would look like making disciples. What he did was said, hey, follow me, follow me, and, and watch what I do, and listen to my words. Let me teach you, let me show you 
what it looks like to follow God. He did life with them. And that's how he taught them. And God is inviting us into that same mission of love. So for love to to keep winning, um, he wants us to not only learn how to follow God, but invite somebody else to come and follow God with us. He's saying, I I want you to find people from all nations. He's including everyone. So if you ever hear anybody saying that Christianity is just for this particular group or that particular economic group or racial group or whatever, all that separation is not from God. He wants us to come together, right? And so he says, go and invite everyone from all nations. That means all languages, all people groups, And find the ones who have hearts and minds that are open to me. That are open to learning about God. And then do what? Live life with them. Follow Christ with them. Invite them in to be part of your journey. And and you become part of their journey. And then he says something interesting to me. He says, uh, make disciples of all nations. And then he says this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So why does he encourage them to, to be baptized? What, what's the, the important thing about that? You know, think about what baptism actually represents. And it's about Jesus saying, you know, these new disciples, they need to know, they need to kind of see and feel and experience what I am doing, what I am accomplishing on their insides. So they need to feel and experience my love and my grace pouring into their heart and washing them clean and giving them brand new life. So number two is this, love is winning when faith is growing as we're going. So we're going and it's meant to be our faith is continuing to grow. In Mark 16, Jesus says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. See, Jesus ties those two together saying, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, it's just the natural thing to be baptized and to show that, hey, my life belongs to Christ. Um, It's not a rite of passage. It's not just some religious ritual. Um, This is a symbol of, of life and a picture of cleansing that Jesus wants us to actually experience. It's a good thing to identify as a follower of Christ. And that's one of the things we do through baptism is say, I belong to Jesus Christ. We are intentionally choosing to deny our selfishness, deny our pride and all that stuff, and take up our cross and follow Christ Jesus. And it's this picture of dying to our old ways and being raised to life in Jesus. In Colossians, Paul writes, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. What a powerful thing. I mean, of all the things that Christianity and and this whole thing is about, the idea that we have been raised from death to life by Christ. I mean, that is one of the reasons why When I come to worship, when I come to sing praises to God, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, wow, God, I can't believe what you did for me. I'm going to praise you because of it. 
And he said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that term, in the name of, is, is something that we used to use in a lot of ways. Like they would, they would come, the police would come to the door and say, hey, open up in the name of the law, right? And what does that mean? It means in the authority of, or the direct, you know, uh, directions from the law. So Jesus is saying, I want you to do this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to do it under our authority as our representatives in that situation. In verse 20, he goes on, he says, after baptizing them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I want you to help them see that there's a different way to live. See, his commandments aren't about limiting us, aren't about taking away our rights, aren't about ruining our fun. It's actually about setting us free. Jesus wants to show us a path that doesn't lead to destruction, that isn't just full of potholes. He wants to actually lead us in a way that is better. So number three is this, love is winning when our walk looks like our talk. Love's winning when our walk looks like our talk. He says, teach them. Show them the way. Show them the path. I remember when I was in a situation where I was just overwhelmed and it was just way too big for me. I was young and surrounded by really tough obstacles. And somebody who had been there came alongside me and said, here's how you do it. And it's like, oh, thank you. It means so much to have somebody who knows the way show us how to go. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, teach them to obey my commandments. Teach them to walk in my ways. What commands was he talking about? Well, didn't he kind of just boil it all down to these two? Love the Lord with your whole self and love everyone else. Love everyone else the way you love yourself. So loving God with every part of me, what does that look like? What about for you? What does that look like? And what does loving our neighbor as ourself look like? Think about the way that you love yourself. You make sure you eat, right? Make sure you got clothes on. Make sure you got a roof over your head. All these things that we try to make sure of for ourselves because we care about our well-being, right? Do we care about those that are maybe a little different than us? Somebody who maybe comes from a different background or has a different political persuasion. That's a tough one these days. Do we care about them? as much as we love ourselves. Remember the example that Jesus gave was these people who were not friends, the Samaritans and the Jews were not friends, but it was the good Samaritan who truly acted like that good neighbor. And God is calling us to be that for our neighbors. And Jesus closes out this passage with this. The last thing he says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's so cool. So, so after everything that he said, after he's invited them in, after he's shown them, hey, this is how you reach out and include people, what does he say? You're not going to do this alone. And I want you to hear that so clearly today. When you step out and, and, and walk by faith and, and do these kind of things that God calls us to do and reach out to our neighbor and all these things, you're not having to do it alone. God is sending his spirit to walk with you. He says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. That means you're never going to be by yourself. You know that you are never, ever alone. God is always there. 
Until we start to walk in faith, though, we don't actually kind of get to see that sometimes. So this is part of the challenge that God gives us. So guys, how does love keep winning? Love keeps winning. When we go where God is sending us. And that could be across the globe. It could be across the room. But we, we get up and we move to where God is sending us. And we, we invite people in to what God's kingdom is like. And then we, we help them to see how to follow him. And we know in all of that, we don't do it alone. So where is God sending you? And, and um, how is he growing your faith and teaching you how to walk? And how are you doing that same thing for somebody else? Um, God wants to invite us in because we are part of one, one community, one family together. And one of the things that Jesus did to show that, if you want to grab your, your cracker and your juice or whatever you have there, one of the things he did to show that is he, he got with his disciples. Remember before, before the whole crucifixion and everything happened, he met with them. And this is something he said to do, you know, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He said, when he took the bread, he said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. And as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. So we take and eat this bread in remembrance of the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's take and eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Next, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is shed for your sins. No matter, it's just such an amazing thing to realize no matter what we've done, where we've been, what we've gone through, how much we've hurt or been hurt or, or hurt somebody else, that there is forgiveness. There is a restoration that Jesus can, can provide and he did that on the cross. So he, did, he said that every time you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take it and remember in thankfulness for Jesus' death on the cross. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God, for what you, the price that you paid to set us free. Thank you, God, for coming and showing us how to live. Thank you for working in those disciples' lives and continuing to work in our lives. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to fully just grab onto, latch onto what your message is to us and where you are sending us and how you want to be right there with us as you're, you're working through us. We love you, God. Thank you for your amazing love for us. And we pray this all in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So I want you to go where God is sending you, sending you and, and live his love out loud. Keep love winning. God bless you.